Chapter 2 of A Paraphrase Upon the Epistle of Paul to the Galatians by Thomas Boston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 Verse 1 Then, fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also. Verse 1 Then, fourteen years after my conversion, I made another journey to Jerusalem with Barnabas, my ordinary companion in my travels, and I took Titus the evangelist with me also, as two witnesses which might testify to the apostles at Jerusalem what doctrine I preached amongst the Gentiles, and with what success and visible seals of my ministry, and who might also testify again to the Gentiles what should pass in the designed conferences. Verse 2 and I went up by revelation, and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Verse 2. And I went up by an impulse of the Spirit of God, revealing that particular to be my duty. And when I came there, in a friendly and familiar way, I declared to the churches of Judea, the gospel and doctrine which at this present I preach, for I preach no other doctrine now than what I always preached since I was an apostle. But Christian prudence obliged me not to give this declaration of my doctrine presently before the whole multitude, lest unnecessary scruples and debates might be raised amongst the vulgar. Nay, this declaration I thought necessary to make not to any of the apostles, but those who were of greatest reputation in the church, and the great design of my entering upon this conference with them was to preserve the fruit of my preaching in time past, and to secure it for the time to come. For if once that had obtained amongst the Gentiles that I preached other doctrine than the chief apostles, my labours in the gospel would have been lost both for the time past and the time to come. Verse 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Verse 4 and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Verse 3. But in that meeting Titus, an uncircumcised Greek, was freely admitted to the Apostles' society, and so far were they against the necessity of the observation of the ceremonial law that they did not require him to be circumcised which they would certainly have done, had they thought that circumcision was necessary to be observed. Verse 4. And in this particular case they did thus carry, not because they thought that circumcision was yet simply unlawful, but because they would not give an occasion of triumphing to some false brethren, who held the necessity of observing the ceremonial law, and who had been brought into this meeting without the apostles' knowledge, and came into it not with any good design, but as so many spies to spy out our Christian liberty, and to rob us of it, and bring us again under the bondage of the ceremonial law. For if Titus had been circumcised here, they would have made use of that practice, as a certain confirmation of the necessity of circumcision, and the observing of the whole ceremonial law. Verse 5. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Verse 5. But being aware of this their design, we, the rest of the apostles, at the meeting, and I, would not subject our Christian liberty to them, nor yield to them in that point, no, not in using circumcision, but that once. 
The reason of our stiffness in this was that the doctrine of the gospel might remain with you Galatians and other Gentiles pure and uncorrupted, and not mixed with Jewish leaven. For had they got their will in this particular, they would have had a specious pretense against Christian liberty. Verse 6. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat, in conference, added nothing to me. Verse 7. But contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, Verse 8. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. Verse 9. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave unto me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Verse 6. But of the apostles of greatest credit, in comparison of whom I am despised by some, as nothing in comparison of them, I indeed learned nothing. Say not, they were apostles before me, and had seen Christ in the flesh, and therefore I am nothing in comparison of them. Whatever advantages they had of me, I notice not, neither does God judge of men according to these external things. I am an apostle now as well as they, and preach the gospel as well as they. I do not deny, but they have these advantages of me, but that is nothing to the matter in hand. Their having them makes not my office nor my doctrine less divine than theirs, for in conference about our calls and doctrine they added nothing to me. They found no error to correct, nor defect in my doctrine or call to make up. Verse 7 and 9. But indeed, they were so far from adding anything to me, that they forthwith gave me the right hand of fellowship, when they saw by undoubted evidence that God had committed to me the dispensation of the gospel as a rich treasure unto the Gentiles, even as he had committed to Peter the dispensing of the gospel unto the Jews. Verse 8. This they clearly understood from this, that the same God who had given his assistance to Peter, and had made use of him as a blessed instrument in his hand to the conversion of the Jews by his overcoming grace, had done no less by me towards the Gentiles, whose conversion they looked upon as a seal of my apostleship. Verse 9. And when James, Peter, and John, who were reputed the upholders of the church under God, perceived the gifts, ordinary and extraordinary, wherewith God had fitted me for the apostolic office, when, I say, they saw my call to the work and my gifts fitting me for it, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, shaking hands with us in token of our agreement in doctrine, and amicably dividing of our charges for carrying on the work of our common master, that they might go on to preach, for ordinary, to the Jews, and we to the Gentiles. Verse 10. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Verse 10. Only they desired Barnabas and me to make a collection through the Gentile churches for the relief of the poor Jews who were turned Christians, which I did with all diligence study to make effectual. Verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Verse 11. But when Peter, some time after this conference, was come to Antioch, where was a church of the Gentiles using their Christian liberty, I freely and boldly to his face opposed him, because he was indeed blameworthy. Verse 12. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, 
but when they were come he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision verse twelve for he did make use of his christian liberty freely eating with the christian gentiles having no regard to the difference of meats nor of jews and gentiles established by the ceremonial law this liberty i say he used all the time he was in antioch before the coming down of certain jews from jerusalem where james had his ordinary residence which jews were zealous for the observing of the ceremonial law but when they came peter withdrew from the gentile and uncircumcised christians would not keep up fellowship with them but set up a separate meeting from the uncircumcised christians to which offensive course he was led by a preposterous fear of those bigoted jews lest they should have been offended by his liberty verse thirteen and the other jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation verse thirteen this was great dissimulation in peter to assert by his practice the necessity of observing the ceremonial law which he knew notwithstanding by divine revelation was now of no force acts ten and eleven and the other jews who had before used christian liberty they fell into the same dissimulation and such was the speed at that time that even barnabas himself was not able to withstand his and their example but he dissembled also withdrawing and separating himself verse fourteen but when i saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel i said unto peter before them all if thou being a jew livest after the manner of gentiles and not as do the jews why compellest thou the gentiles to live as do the jews verse fifteen we who are jews by nature and not sinners of the gentiles verse sixteen knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of jesus christ even we have believed in jesus christ that we might be justified by the faith of christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified verse fourteen but when i saw their practice crooked and contrary to the doctrine of the gospel in this point i said unto peter before all the rest carried off by his bad example seeing thou thyself though a jew and so bound if any were to observe the ceremonial law yet dost not observe it but for ordinary livest after the manner of the gentiles making no difference of meats clean or unclean as appears by thy former practice in this place how canst thou force upon the necks of the gentiles that yoke which thou thyself hast cast off by your separating from the gentiles on this account thereby obliging them either to embrace the ceremonial law or else to be deprived of fellowship with you and your adherents verse fifteen and now to fall upon the main point ye may observe o galatians from the history of peter's carriage particularly before these zealots came from jerusalem and from my reproving him and his not defending the fact that we who are born jews and not of the profane nations without god's covenant we to whom the ceremonial and judicial laws were given particularly and who received the decalogue upon mount sinai that we i say verse sixteen being persuaded in our consciences that no man circumcised or uncircumcised is declared or reputed righteous before god upon the account of his own works done in obedience to the law of god ceremonial judicial or moral but by faith in christ receiving him and his righteousness even we who if any might have pursued a law righteousness have renounced our own works for justification and have by faith betaken ourselves to christ for a righteousness that so we might be justified by faith in christ and not by works 
and with what confidence then can the gentiles seek righteousness by works of the law a great part of which was designed only for us jews now that we have done so ye see is plain and that we might and ought to have done so and you also is plain from the old testament which testifies that by the works of the law no man jew or gentile can be justified before god psalm 143 2 verse 17 but if while we seek to be justified by christ we ourselves also are found sinners is therefore christ the minister of sin god forbid verse 17 ye will readily object that our doctrine has little advantage by what i have narrated of peter and others there observing the ceremonial law over the belly of their light it seems they have learnt that art of gross dissimulation at the school of your gospel but i say what though we ourselves have been found sinners and gross dissemblers we i say that know our freedom from the law and that there is no justification by the law even then while we were seeking justification by christ does it therefore follow that the doctrine of the gospel burying the ceremonial law teaches men to sin god forbid verse eighteen for if i build again the things which i destroyed i make myself a transgressor verse nineteen for i through the law am dead to the law that i might live unto god verse eighteen for if i or peter or any man do by our practice build up again the sin which we have destroyed by our doctrine and practice conform thereunto in that case we ourselves or to hold out this supposition in my own person i am the transgressor who should be blamed and not the gospel which i preach this is clear if ye consider verse nineteen that the gospel natively tends to my leading a holy life and the gospel is not to be blamed for my sinful slips for i am now dead to the law and look upon the relation betwixt it and me as ceased not that i may live as i list but that i may live to god in the duties of obedience and thankfulness to god and this is what the gospel teacheth me and to this actual death to the law i was brought by the law itself which proved such a rigorous husband to my conscience that it would be satisfied with nothing i could do which necessitated me to give over thoughts of ever pleasing it and so to betake myself to my new husband christ verse twenty i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me verse twenty yet have i done the law no injury but am dead to it in point of right for by faith i am crucified in the person of christ my head and representative so that the law having got all it could demand it has no more to crave of me than it has of christ but notwithstanding of this crucifixion i am alive i live to god but no thanks to me for this life i have it not but because of my union with christ who is the soul of my soul and the vital principle in me and that life of sanctification which i now live while i am in this mortal body i live by faith in the son of god by which i draw vital influences from him the fountain of life who loved me with an everlasting love and from that undeserved love was pleased to give himself to the death for me that by his dying i might live verse twenty one i do not frustrate the grace of god for if righteousness come by the law then christ is dead in vain verse twenty one i think this was wonderful love and i do therefore endeavour to make a suitable return lippening my salvation to the death of christ 
and to that only and so i do not render god's grace in sending christ to die for me vain if i should do otherwise i should make it a vain needless thing for if our righteousness be by our works for what end did christ die for us end of chapter two